Hi, Simon Hill here. Enjoy our podcast. If you'd like to help us keep delivering the sort of quality football chat you want, then you can show your support by making a donation. Big or small, however much you can afford, we appreciate all your help and every cent will be ploughed back into improving production. Thanks in advance from all of us at Shim, Spider and so much more. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Craig Moore. What a piece. Beautifully struck home by Craig Moore. And the Australian supporters go wild in Stuttgart. Why not? Touched by Kalach. Ripson's got a kick. And Celtic couldn't handle Wood on the set piece. It's a brilliant header. And Tail goes to Spencer. What about that? What about that? Here's Aloisi for a place in the World Cup. He's You're with Shim, Spider, and so much more. Take it away, fellas. Yes, hello again. Here we go for episode 30 of Shim, Spider, and so much more. Wow, we've had a great response to our last few shows. Over 10,500 downloads over the last month. So thank you. Please tell your family, your friends, your football contacts. We are, of course, constantly looking to grow. However, we have shrunk by one key member of staff this week. As you all know by now, Spider was released from his duties as goalkeeping coach with Zanti last week. He is currently in transit to a different part of Europe where he will be taking a little break. So for this week, and hopefully for this week only, it is just me and Maury. How are you, Maury? What's going on with you? Hey, well, all things well here. Simon, uh, it's, you blink, you miss a game. There's just there's, there's that much happening. There's that many games that are that are coming in. Um, obviously, we were sorry to hear the the news of of, of Spider um, at, at Zanti, and I've also seen uh, recently today a, a a report that suggests that even Tony Popovich uh, now is is under quite a bit of uh, pressure at Zanti. The, they lost. The pot, they lost this weekend. Yes. They lost. The pot is is well and truly uh, boiling, Simon, over there by the by the looks of it. So fingers crossed that, um, you know, that he can stick in there and, and, and hopefully turn things around because the, the media story didn't translate too well, if I'm being honest, uh, for Popper. Mm. Interesting times over in uh, Greece and, of course, in Europe, in uh, most parts of the world, there is rarely any patience uh, with coaches. Anyway, coming up later on in the show, we're going to hear from James Holland as our special guest. And we've also got a little chat with uh, Football Australia CEO James Johnson about uh, the new aligned calendar. So let's get into hard talk. Hard talk. Hard Talk is brought to you by Streamgate, one of Australia's first live streaming companies operating since 2008. They focus on virtual and hybrid events broadcasting to unlimited online audiences worldwide by either a secure private stream page or publicly on social media. Live streaming allows social online engagement as viewers are able to communicate back to the presenters in real time while social distancing. So should you require a small personal event or business level webcast, then please go to streamgate.com.au or you can find them on Instagram. So let's uh, start with the news this week that uh, Football Australia has released the 2021 domestic match calendar. Bit of a dry subject? Well, maybe, but uh, the calendar, <coughs> excuse me, has been devised, and I quote, to connect all levels of Australian football, as well as the FIFA international calendar and the key AFC dates. CEO James Johnson says the governing body expects 2021 to be a transitional year 
towards a completely unified and integrated approach to connect the football pyramid, both domestically and globally. I spoke to JJ a little bit earlier on. I just want to quote something that appeared in the press release. Uh, the calendar has been devised, and I quote, to connect all levels of Australian football, as well as the FIFA international calendar and the key AFC dates. Uh, we expect 2021 to be a transitional year towards a completely unified and integrated approach to connect the football pyramid, both domestically and globally. Now, people will read that out there in football land and say, great. That sounds to me like a commitment to a national second division. Are they right? And promotion we, relegation, sorry, as an extension of that. <laughs> the, these, are, these are two uh, distinct points, but I'll, I'll start with the, um, the, the, the second tier competition. Yeah, there is, there is a commitment from Football Australia to, to move in the direction of a second tier competition. I think we've been consistent with our narrative publicly. Um, I don't think the debate is any longer, should there be one, should there not be one? From our point of view, there, there should. I think the member federations um, would agree with this. And so too do the, the, the second tier clubs um, led by the AAFC at the moment. The question really is, what does the model look like? And when will the season start? When would it commence? Um, and really, there, there, there seems like there's two different options that are, um, um, that are, that are, uh, being discussed at the moment. One is what the AAFC put out publicly, which is a 12 to 16 competition home and away um, run every year. Whereas the other one, which is, I think, probably the more pragmatic one, is a, a two-phase season where your club start at the NPL level in the first phase and they move into a, a, a group stage like the UEFA Champions League, for example, um, at the back end of the year. So I think that is really where the debate is. It's not a discussion about whether we should have one or not um, anymore, in my view, Simon. And that uh, full interview with James Johnson will be available as a separate podcast, a uh, little bit of something extra for you this week, so you can have a listen. Um, Maury, because of the vagaries of time differences and different parts of the world, you haven't had the benefit of, of being able to listen to uh, James's answers. But in general terms, um, what do you make of this uh aligned calendar i mean when it first came out i must admit i thought mm, okay well that's nothing really to get too excited about but th th there are some key words in there about unification and integrated approach connecting the football pyramid both domestically and globally there are some key uh, uh discussion points in there yeah look um and without sort of like hearing uh, jj I'm, I'm hoping what i'm going to hear um you know is, is is that alignment of that that football calendar which simon we've been we've been crying out for for such a long long time um you know i come out with the golden generation and, and issued a, a five-point plan you know nearly nine months ago and it was about integrating unifying bringing the game together as as one so that it is played at the, the same time um, within the, the, the year, calendar year. Um, also, the, the, the national second division, uh, which I think the players want, uh, the fans want, and most importantly, I believe that the game needs. Um, you know, promotion and relegation. We know that it's going to be promotion first rather than uh, relegation, Simon, because we need to expand the, the footprint of the A-League. And I think that that will give the opportunity for teams to, to, to establish themselves and for us to understand who those ambitious clubs are to provide that opportunity. Um, and, and also the, you know, the, the transfer windows, the, the, the domestic transfer windows, the, these are all very, very important to put us in line globally with the rest of the world. And once again, to protect um, our players and, and clubs in around about that, the, the international football um, scenario. So, look, for me, all very, very positive. Um, we have been asking for it for a long, long time, better late than, than never. And um, transitional year, yes, I, I totally agree with that. But for me, a, a bright future ahead if we can pull this off. Um, one of the talking points uh, around that release this week, uh, the, the, the Festival of Football, 
uh, a week to be held in connection with the FFA Cup final in 2021. I, I think that's a great idea. Um, you know, culminating with the showpiece event, and I know that they want it to be the last uh, game of the calendar year, but ha have a real celebration of football. Yeah, and, and look, it's, it's something that I think is a fantastic idea um, to really have, um, you know, a, a, a real festival of, of football leading into to the, the FFA Cup final, I think, is, uh, is a great idea. Look, we've seen similar things in terms of, you know, the, the, the Champions League and what it produced when it went into the hub. That was like a football festival as well. And I think, I think it works, Simon. Hmm. Uh, and, and to really be able to sit, I guess, the FFA Cup final out there as being a, a, a top competition, a recognisable competition, and really giving it its place, I think it's a great idea. Things starting to move, and uh, hopefully you enjoy that uh, separate interview with uh, James Johnson, which we will uh, try and release today along with the podcast. Uh, let's move on and talk about uh, the A-League games at the weekend. Gee, the competition is exciting at the moment, Maury. Lots of goals and uh, lo lots of youngsters making uh, their way through into the senior competition. Uh, let's start with uh, Adelaide and Perth. A win mm -hmm. for the glory by two goals to one and uh, not just on-field action, but a bit of a verbal stash between Stefan Mork and Neil Kilkenny as well. Yeah, look, love to love to see all that kind of stuff. Normally, I like to see it stay on the field, if I'm being honest. And, you know, Stefan obviously got his goal for Adelaide, but Neil, K Neil Kilkenny had the last laugh um, with, the, with the assist for, for the winner. Obviously, there was a little bit of a, a flow on, so there's no love loss there between the, the two players in, in, in regards to uh, what happened after the game. But at the same time, I think they're, they're stories that people want to read. Um, it generates interest in our game, Simon. Mm. Um, like I said, I've got no issue. I like to see it happen on the field, though. Yeah. Of course, they were teammates at Melbourne City, so clearly this is where it started. Um, do you ever, uh, back in your playing days, Maury, you obviously play with a lot of footballers and there were probably a lot of people you did like and some that you didn't. Did you have ever have that real enmity with, with one particular person, somebody who really ground your gears? <laughs> I didn't. I, at Clubland, I never, I never really had that because, you know, there was a real honesty I guess when I was playing in terms of if there were any issues they were kind of they were kind of dealt with um, that's not to say that you're best of mates with every single person within your dressing room but I, I certainly didn't have any any situations where I felt you know after a player left the club or potentially if I moved on that um, there was that that lingering thought in your in your mind that you know you really sort of like took a disliking to somebody I was mm. quite lucky at club, Clubland I think to be honest and national team yeah Okay, uh, good win for Perth, though. That's uh, consecutive away uh, successes after they defeated Melbourne City by uh, three goals to one during the week as well. Or was it three to... Goodness me, my memory's going. Um, let's move on to the Western Sydney derby between MacArthur and uh, the Wanderers. Ended up 2-2. This was a, a mad game. And between some incredible moments, the, the um, Keanu Backer's back heel to set up the goal, the, the second-half goal-mouth scramble... Uh, and then Graham Doran's chipping Adam Federici from about uh, 30 metres out. So it was a great finish, wasn't it? I mean, you're still to, to have the idea, but to be able to, to execute, um, obviously on the counter, um, I'm not sure what player, but I mean, unfortunately for MacArthur, one of the players slipped um, and, and, and therefore Doran's countered. Um, look, MacArthur will be a little bit disappointed uh, from being in um, winning positions in this game. Um, but it, yeah, it definitely had everything. It was a great derby, uh, and certainly the, the the equaliser right towards the end there, Simon, as you touched on with with Bacchus, scorpion like, yeah, from 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 behind him manages to get a a flick on the ball that that sends it goalwards, and and Cox is in the right position to to guide home a, a late equaliser for for Western Sydney Wanderers. But MacArthur will be disappointed. But I think it was a, a good game of football to watch. Sure was. Uh, MacArthur still haven't won in Campbelltown as yet. Brisbane Raw uh, are absolutely flying more of your old team. 5-2 winners over Melbourne victory. Gee, they've got some firepower this season. Dylan Wentel-Halls with his fifth of the campaign already. Scott McDonald and Riku Danzaki with a couple each. They've got Joey Champness. They've got Masato Kudo. Uh, they've got uh, goals to burn in this squad, it appears. 
Yeah, and Dylan Wenzel Hall's got Brisbane off to the perfect start, didn't he? Um, but Brisbane Raw absolutely blew Melbourne victory away uh, in, in the early part uh, of the game. Scotty McDonald rolling back the years. He scored, I mean, that was an unbelievable volley that he scored. And I kind of messaged him overnight to say, what are you doing scoring headers as well? <laughs> uh, and, and Danzaki obviously getting a couple, which would do his confidence a, a world of good. Um, I really loved the, the the ball for, I think it was the last goal from Gillespie. Puts in a great ball um, with a message of just get on the end of it. Danzaki provided that. Um, another thing that uh, was a positive for me, we, we look at Dolphin Oval and it looks a nice boutique stadium. We've touched on it many a time. But Simon, the, the, the pitch looked absolutely in top order, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, sure does. Um, uh, that's probably because the NRL are expanding into Queensland and uh, looking for a second <laughs> Brisbane team. And of course, they're one of the... Uh, but what are the teams that would like to be in there, the Redcliffe Dolphin, uh, Dolphins? Um, anyway, that's a, a separate story. Uh, let's return to the A-League, the Sunday matches. Um, Newcastle Jets edging out Melbourne City. Great win for the Jets. They're three unbeaten now, going pretty well at the moment. What's going on with City, though? They've lost four of their six games. Both you and Spider tipped them for the championship this year. Yeah, no, they're... they're... They're struggling. They're struggling with with confidence. Uh, th this game didn't come um, with, with no chances. I mean, Maka had a, had a good chance early doors. They also had a great opportunity towards the end of the game where Adrian Luna, yeah, Luna, Luna breaks and and him and Maka are bearing down on goal two v one. Thurgate makes a lung buster, gets back, um, and in the end they don't they don't capitalise. But we've touched on Newcastle Jets in terms of how they're. You know, they've, they've hung in matches even when they've, they've maybe not had the result. Um, they've, they've got their result. It's a, it's a great result for, for Newcastle Jets. In regards to Melbourne City, I think I look at you know, maybe previous times, previous teams where they've had a, a Bratton uh, or they've had, they've had a Kilkenny uh, Simon that have been really able to control, um, control a game and, and, and build Melbourne City into it. Maybe they're just lacking in, in that kind of area, but you still look at their squad and they should be doing better. Josh Berlanto, of course, departed to go to Zanti uh, during the off-season. Maybe they're missing him as well. Um, Central Coast Mariners, wow. Yeah. Again, another comeback win with uh, Alu Kool, who's having a great start to the season, netting twice. Um, we've, we've all smiled at seeing the Mariners being near the top of the league, um, maybe a little bit disingenuously. Should we start taking them a bit more seriously? Mate, well, I'll tell you now, they're not going to finish last. So that, that's, a, that's a great thing for, for Central Coast Mariners. We were harsh on them at the start of the, the, the season, but I think it was, it was fair. Um, they have underperformed. But at the same time, Simon, we've got to give them um, full credit for the way that they've performed uh, so far this season. Stadge has got them playing uh, with a belief. Um, you know, Matty Simon knocked out 200, I think this is his 201st game and he's getting on the score sheet as well. So he's in good form. Um, you know, cool coming on as a, as a, as a sub and scoring two wonderful headers, two wonderful headers. Um, so Central Coast Mariners, Bazanich has come in and done a really good job and given them, I think, some good protection in front of the back four who do have experience in the A-League. Um, so there's a lot to like about what Central Coast Mariners have done and their fans will be absolutely delighted. They are cock-a-hoop at uh, the moment. Uh, just talking about Alu Cool, and of course Valentino Yule uh, scored the goal for the Newcastle Jets. We're seeing uh, Mohamed Torre, of course, going great guns at the moment. This new generation of kids from the African diaspora, wow, they're exciting and could have big knock-on effects for the national team as we started to see already with the likes of Awa Mobile and, and Thomas Deng. Yeah, look, and it's just about giving these boys, um, you know, young Australian players, obviously we're touching on the, on these boys that have got maybe African background and profiles, but just young players being given the opportunity, Simon. But I think the, the great thing to see with these young players is they're actually performing, um, you know, and they're, they're getting those goals and, for their development, that's going to be huge, um, you know, because they get that confidence of not only being involved in first-team football, but feeling as if you belong. Um, mm. Scoring, influencing games, 
So, now nah, look, it, it's, it's something that, again, we were kind of all crying out for in terms of a little bit of freshness, for coaches to be a little bit brave in terms of team selection. Um, and you've touched on a few players there that are all benefit, uh, benefiting from that scenario. Just one more before uh, we leave the A-League, Maury. Um, we touched upon Brisbane Raw's win over Melbourne victory and, and uh, gave credit to Raw, which is right. Any concerns about victory? They're rock bottom of the ladder. Um, new managerial team, of course, or coaching team, Grant Brebner and Steve Keane, hasn't worked as yet. Uh, do, you, do you fear for victory this season? I think Melbourne victory um, uh, certainly going to grow into to the season, um, but they've been disappointing in terms of you know the, the results. Um, Grant Brebner won't be happy with that, uh, but I believe, like any manager, you should be you know you should be given uh, some time to be able to to really show that you've um, the ability to improve improve the team. So if that situation doesn't improve, then you know Melbourne victory. It may have a, an issue on their hands, but at the same time, I'd like to think that Grant, Grant Brebner and Stevie Keener are able to turn things around there. This is not the Melbourne Victory team of old. This is not the Melbourne Victory team um, that we've seen over previous seasons, but there is a rebuild um, and there's some work ahead, certainly for Melbourne Victory. Yeah, it's uh, very sad to see uh, probably the biggest club in the league at uh, the foot of the ladder at the moment, um, this podcast, of course, being recorded before the Sydney FC versus Wellington Phoenix game on Monday uh, in the W League, uh, the Sydney FC women. Wow, five from five at the moment. They also play a top of the table clash against Canberra United uh, on Monday. That's one versus two. Uh, and the reigning champions in, in that competition, we've, we've touched upon this before, Maury, Melbourne City really struggling. Um, but last year's champions, of course, they've lost almost an entire team. Yeah, how, how do you, how do you replace that? I mean, it's look, it, it's it's a tough it's a tough one. Um, so they've been struggling with it. What it, what it does do in terms of if, if you want success today, it's not great uh, because again, it's a it's a rebuilding stage, and no doubt Melbourne City will get back to, um, you know, what they're they're capable of. But it's a rebuild. But at the same time, Sydney FC that you got all these other teams. You know, Canberra have always been a strong team. Uh, you know the the leaders in terms of the, the, the women's game, uh, Sydney FC, five from five, unbelievable. All teams are improving very rapidly. Uh, and again, that's that's a wonderful thing for the women's game. Okay. Uh, also revealed this week, the dates and details of uh, the expanded AFC Women's Asian Cup to be held in 2022. It will uh, start on January the 20th in India of that particular year. Tournament's been expanded to 12 Australia already qualified, so that's great preparation for the Women's World Cup uh, for the Matildas and, of course, the first major tournament under Tony Gustafsson. Um, let's uh, move away from Australia and head overseas. London calling. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. London calling. Turn your true passion into your dream job with the Australian College of Physical Education. Their bachelor degrees in sport performance and business, health science, applied fitness, education and dance can help turn your dream into a career. Find out where ACPE can take you. Apply online today for semester one 2021 at acpe.edu.au. Well, we've got to start at Anfield, haven't we? Uh, Liverpool won, Manchester City four. Come on, the boys. Wow. What a I had to have a bit of a, a bit of a cry. What a win yeah. for City. And what a huge blow, Maury, uh, to Liverpool's hopes of retaining the title. They're now 10 points behind and City have a game in hand. City were very, very good. Um, I've got to say, Phil Foden, 
away from home, um, man of the match. He was he scored. He scored an absolute bomb. Um, had two assists in this match, Simon. Um, he's really starting to to show. Uh, I guess what what Pep Guardiola was saying very early on about this kid that he's got huge talent. He's got he's got so many weapons. He can play on the left. He can play on the right. He can play as a false nine. He can play a little bit deeper in midfield. Um, it was an incredible performance. Sterling was good uh, again. Gundogan was good again. Mm. And we've seen we know how rapid they are over here in the UK. Simon, eh? Allison in Wonderland. We've seen <laughs> in <Allison>. Blunderland. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Blunderland, sorry, he um, yeah he had a game that he he would like to forget pretty quickly. Normally quite composed out at the back, but gifted City a, a couple of opportunities in in quick succession, which really put this game to bed. Um, but Man City looked very very strong. It's a long way to go, of course, but uh, and City doing it all without Kevin De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero, which is uh, quite extraordinary at the moment. They're fourteenth consecutive win in all competitions, which uh, equals uh, the all-time record set by Preston in 1892 and only equaled since uh, by Arsenal in 1987. Uh, it's a great run they're on at the moment. Uh, in the other games, uh, Maury, Manchester United 3, Everton 3, United leading uh, right until virtually the last kick of the game and then Dominic Calvert-Lewin uh, earned a share of the spoils for Everton United, really blowing a chance to go joint top and the fans blowing up at, uh, at their players afterwards as well. Yeah, look, uh, I mean, Man United's form at, at home hasn't been good enough this season, has it? Um, let's take away the 9-0 the thumping of, of Southampton, which obviously uh, they deserve to win and maybe a, a few borderline calls. But once again, they'll be hugely disappointed. 2-0 up uh, and cruising uh, and then also 3-2 up um, to concede uh, a late, late equaliser. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will be pulling his hair out. Um, I think he's getting greyer by the day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, just a real missed opportunity from Manchester United. And they won't be happy because this game they should have really put to bed. Uh, Matty Ryan made his debut for Arsenal. Um, unfortunately for him, he was beaten inside two minutes by Ollie Watkins at the near post. And... Um, uh, that proved to be the only goal of the game as they lost 1-0 to Aston Villa. But uh, great to see Matty achieving his his lifelong dream of, of playing for the club that he supported as a kid. Yeah, and look, it just goes to show you how football can work. Simon, you know, he, he, he takes a loan deal, he goes to Arsenal, probably, uh, you know, he'll be striving to, to be involved and to get games, but behind Leno, and then Leno gets sent off, and then an opportunity for Matty Ryan opens up, who was carrying a hip injury at the time, so there was still... You know, was he going to be able to um, prove to be fit to, to then be selected? His first action, unfortunately, is picking the ball out of the net uh, with Ollie Watkins, a, an early an early goal. But Matty Ryan done himself proud. He, he actually kept Arsenal in this match. He made some, mm. some great some great saves, um, and we know he's a we know he's a confident confident boy, and we know he's a great goalkeeper. Didn't get the result, but Matty Ryan done okay. Good to see him back playing first team football. Um, away from the Premier League uh, news this week that UEFA are considering revamping their Champions League uh, with clubs to play 10 games in an expanded league system, what they call in the Swiss system rather than uh, the current six. Is this a Super League in all but name? And is, is it a response to that threat? Uh, what happens to competitions like the League Cup in England and other countries? What about international football? Does UEFA have any choice if they're to head off this Super League but to go down this road? You know what? It's, 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 it seems as if the process is certainly being uh, or having to be um, sped up. Um, you know, the, the talk and the discussions are real around about this Super League. Real Madrid are uh, uh, one of the, the front runners behind this. Um, so, you know, the, the Champions League and, and, and UEFA wanting to make some some changes to the competition. I believe in 2024 they're talking, um, but yeah, they need to they need to act quickly because the the discussion around about this Super League is not going away. Um, again, my preference is that we don't go down that path. So a restructure of of, of a Champions League um, for me is not a, is not a horrible thing, uh, but. If, we don't want league cups and all that sort of stuff to go either, do we, Simon? So there's still a lot of there's a lot of lot of lot of questions that are still unanswered. 
But I think UEFA uh, are definitely in a position where maybe their, their, their actions and what they want to do in the future are being forced a little bit by discussion around about this Super League. Yeah, I don't think there's much doubt about that. But uh, what, what did irritate me a little bit this week, you, you read the words of UEFA President Alexander Seferin saying, uh, you know, it's, it's about time that the League Cup in England went. Well, I'm sorry, but who are you to say that? And this is 60 years of history that you're throwing yeah. into the waste paper basket. Um, and it's, you know, a competition that has provided a lot of joy for uh, clubs down the years that wouldn't necessarily have won a major trophy, such as Swindon Town back in 1969. And, you know, Stoke City's only major honour is the League Cup in 1972. Anyway... I think that one is going to run and run. Uh, a few managers or coaches feeling the heat, Maury. Uh, Zinedine Zidane saying to the media, tell me to my face, you want me out. Andre Villas-Boas has either resigned or been sacked at Marseille after they signed Olivier and Cham from Celtic. And uh, Villas-Boas saying it had nothing to do with me. Um, and Robbie Fowler hit with a ban and a fine for lashing out at a ref in India as well. Yeah, no, nah, so it's all happening, isn't it? Is it a fighting talk? Um, you know, and they would expect nothing less from 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 uh, Zinedine Zidane. But Real Madrid, you know, kind of uh, some way adrift at the moment. Although I think they're in second position. Um, but look, he'll um, he'll he'll dig in there. His experience worse as a player, um, and, and he'll just dust himself down and go on again. But fighting talk. Uh, Andrea Villas-Boas, yeah, interesting one that, wasn't it? I mean, for me, clearly the the the, the plan or the philosophy has changed in, at Marseille. Um, you know, for Nacham to go from from Celtic and then all of a sudden uh, Boas uh, Villas-Boas saying that that's a that's a strong enough reason for me to, to to stand down or resign, and then potentially or possibly was meant to have been suspended uh, because football decisions are now being taken out of his hands. So I understand his position um, and, and fair play to him. Uh, but that's a strange situation at Marseille. But we know that we've had the the, the fans and, and, and all that kind of stuff as well. So there's a lot going on there. And Robbie Fowler, welcome, welcome to India. Um, felt as if his side were, were, were being, um, let's say, um, not getting the decisions that maybe they deserved and had a touchline spray. And, and I think he's copped a, a four-game ban and a $5,000 fine. To be fair, I don't think it's the first time that uh, that Robbie has lashed out at officialdom in India this <laughs> this year. So maybe it's an accumulation of things. Uh, I want to finish off this, <clears throat> excuse me, particular section, uh, Maury, by talking about football in Scotland. Uh, Rangers had a bit of a slip up actually at the weekend, drawing one one to Hamilton, but they're still way out uh, in front. Martin Boyle is going great guns at the moment. Scored both goals in the 2-0 win over Aberdeen. Jackson Irvine is playing well as well, but Boyle has now hit four goals in, in three games, I think, or two games, maybe. Yeah, and Hibs, Hibs have, have found their groove again. They 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 hit a little bit of a flat spot, um, but Jack Ross has, has got them back. Um, really, really big result against Aberdeen, who normally are the team that are uh, challenging for, for third, let's be honest. Um, so, yeah, big... Big result for Hibbs. Boyle, look, we, we know we know the quality of Boyle. He's, he's got that pace and and, and really looks to, to get in behind and, and threaten. Uh, and to see him getting his goals uh, is obviously very good for us, um, you know, in terms of the, the, the national team setup. Rangers, as you touched on, uh, Simon, they slipped up on the, the artificial pitch at, at Hamilton, who are, who are fighting for dear life. And to be honest with you, Hamilton actually should have taken all three points today. Uh, Rangers were poor. Um still managed to, to get themselves in a position where um, they could have taken all three points, but conceded a, a late equaliser. But Steven Gerrard was quite um, honest in his assessment that they didn't really deserve anything. He was delighted to come away with a point because Hamilton were the better side today. Hmm. I uh, want to finish off with Hamilton. <laughs> this is such a good story. <laughs> Uh, it was revealed in the press this week in Scotland that a co-commentator for Hamilton Academical has been uh, <laughs> relieved of his duties after saying he had a jobby. <laughs> a jobby. That's a great Scottish yeah, word. Isn't a it, jobby. Justin? Now, if you don't know, a jobby, of course, is a poo. Uh, <laughs> the guy in question is Bobby Bullock, who uh, forgot to turn his commentary button back on when he arrived back a little bit late uh, for the second half for his duties and said this on air. 
I went away for a jobby at half time. I've not pressed the Wii button when I came back. Uh, Co-commentator Tony Haggerty tried to sort of diffuse the situation a bit by apologising, but then Bullock put his foot in it again, no pun intended, saying, yeah, sorry, it was just a wee bit of a poop, and I was a wee bit late back over because I had to squeeze quite a bit. Oh, <laughs> that's an absolute crap. You know, hey, and he was stood down. Yeah, they've sacked he, him. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was stood down from his duty. There's been a lot of... Um, a lot of fan reaction to this, Simon, um, you know, saying that through challenging times that sometimes a little bit of humour uh, mm. is too, certainly not, not, not a bad thing. <laughs> and I'll finish with this. They may be trying to squeeze him back in. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so they're reconsidering uh, their position, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. What a great story. Okay, thanks, Maury. Uh, let's move on to our final segment today, Footballers' Lives. Footballers' Lives. Well, our guest today was born in 1989 and started his career with the Central Coast Mariners before switching to the Newcastle Jets, where he played in their winning grand final team of 2008. His overseas odyssey began a year later with RZ Alkmaar, but he found opportunities hard to come by there. A loan move to Sparta Rotterdam opened the door and he switched to Austria Vienna in 2012, winning the Bundesliga title a year later. Since then, he's crisscrossed the globe, representing Duisburg in Germany, Adelaide United back in Australia for a season in 1617. He had a stint in China with Liao Ning. And since 2017, he's been back in Austria with Lask Linz. He's won 15 caps for the Socceroos and was part of Ange Postacoglu's World Cup squad in Brazil in 2014. It's a big podcast. Welcome to James Holland. How are you, James? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> well, you deserved it. Um, now, I know that you've been, you've actually been playing <laughs> today and it was an Austrian Cup quarterfinal game for Lask against uh, Austria Klagenfurt and uh, the lower division team. They, they took you an extra time. What happened? Yeah, it's, I guess that's the nature of the Cup. Um, we conceded some scrappy goals uh, and in the end, it was a little bit unnecessary. Um, the extra time but at the end of the day it's the cup and uh, it doesn't matter how you get through as long as you get through so in the end we, we got the result. You got through and I, my stat check <laughs> tells me that you have turned into a bit of a goal scoring machine in the last few weeks. You were three from three <laughs> heading into this uh, into this game. Yeah my form's dipped today mate I didn't get a goal <laughs> but uh, nah <laughs> right right place right time the last couple of games that we we uh yeah, it's always good to get on the score sheet. So as long as I can help the boys. Um, Lasker in, in fourth place in the Bundesliga, back in the league competition. You're seven points behind <laughs> Salzburg. Are you part of the title race or on the fringes, really? No, I mean, I'd like to say we're a part of it because also in Austria, after 22 games, the, the competition splits into a top six and bottom six and the, uh -huh. the points cut in half. So all of a sudden, everything's a little bit tighter. Um, so the seven points isn't as daunting as it looks, as long as we were, you know, find a little bit more consistency. Um, the last seven games of, of, of um, this round, um, so I, I think we're we're good enough to push for the title. So hopefully, in the end, we can we can be there and thereabouts. Um, you're also, of course, playing Europa League this season, playing against uh, teams such as Tottenham. Although you, you didn't get through the group, you came third in the section, just missing out behind. Uh, Antwerp. But what was that experience like? Did I read correctly that you played as a central defender or as part of a back three against Tottenham? Is that right? Yeah, against Tottenham, I slotted me. Our captain, um, who's a brilliant player, he, he normally plays that, that Beckenbauer role in the middle of the back three. Um, and he was suspended for a game, the game against Tottenham. And our coach uh, thought that I was the uh, the perfect fit. Um, so in the end, it was we actually did well. Um, and I did a decent job there so um it wasn't a it wasn't a it was a different experience but um yeah i enjoyed it to be honest who, who did you mark talk, talk. by the way james mate it's a blur they're all quick mate i was just 
I was uh, just chasing shadows. Nah, there's Son, Son, uh, they all played, I think. Um, who was, uh, I can't remember who was striker. Was I think Son was, Son was playing number nine. Okay. Nah, Harry Kane didn't play. It was um, a front three. It was uh, um, Son was definitely number nine, Bale. And uh, I can't remember who the third striker was, but yeah, exactly. Mirror. Yeah. yeah. They're all rapid. Yeah, yeah, they're all, they're all they're all struggling, aren't they? Eh? Oh, mate, mate, struggling for pace. <laughs> no, no, it was a cool experience though. Actually, it was it was good, and we did quite well. Yeah, um, it was a free all draw in the end, but we conceded some sloppy goals, a sloppy penalty, um, but a, a good a good result and a cool experience for the for the club and the boys. Mate, Jimmy, that, that that European football, mate, it obviously it's different from the from the domestic stuff and. Uh, how exciting! Eh? You play playing the big matches uh, against these top players and, and top clubs. Once you get the taste for it, eh? you obviously want a lot more of that. Oh, my! Obviously, I mean, you know what it's like, mate. It's uh, European nights are hard to beat, and, and as a youngster in Australia, you used to getting up early mornings and and uh, and watching the games, and all of a sudden you're you're in amongst it, and it's yeah. I mean, it gives it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. It's it's um. It's what dreams are made of, and it's it's always special. They're always special nights. Disappointing this season without the crowds, but at the same time, it's still still an unbelievable experience. Did you did you manage to bag a jersey when you played Spurs? Um, I did. I ended up getting Delhi Alleys actually, so I, I got one, mate. Might might be his last one, Joe. Which is a good get. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. I actually, to be honest, I actually gave it to a mate of mine who's a massive Spurs fan. So uh, he was happy to receive it. Um, James, let's go all the way back um, before we continue talking about uh, your career in Austria. Uh, you're growing up on, on the central coast of New South Wales. Was it your ambition to play for the Mariners? Was that your dream? Um, I mean, growing up, the Mariners obviously weren't necessarily a thing um, mm. because when we were younger, it was the NSL. So I, I used to f follow the NSL a little bit. Northern Spirit was was kind of the closest team to home. So I, I followed them a little bit and Newcastle as well. Um, but once I, you know, once the A-League came in, I, I wasn't a Mariners fan at the beginning and, and I was lucky enough to trade with them as a youngster. And, and that was, you know, close to home. So that was my initial initial dream, but it, it was sort of at an age where I was also, my mind was at a really young age set, set on Europe. So all I had really was Europe in my head from a young age. So uh, Mariners in my head was, was if I got the opportunity there, kind of an in-between step to hopefully achieving my goals in Europe one day. Why did the Mariners not sign you and why did you end up signing for the Jets instead? Good question. It was a, the Mariners did offer me a contract, but at the time, um, I made the decision to go to the Jets purely because basically Gary Van Egmond kind of guaranteed me game time. And as a youngster, um, you know, it's important to take every opportunity. So I knew with, with Gary, with Dutchie, I was going to, I was going to play. Um, and with Laurie, obviously Millet was in the middle. Um, Noel Spencer was there at the time. And, and I probably, you know, I actually, I knew I wasn't going to get the opportunity and, and uh, that was purely, you know, that was why I made that decision. And in the end it was, it was a, the right decision. So. And as luck would have it, of course, uh, you played in the grand final for the Jets against the Mariners in 2008. Um, there was obviously a very famous incident towards the end of the game. You knew I was going to ask you this, mate, um, where the ball hits your hand. Standard, do, <laughs> do, do you reckon today with VAR, that would have been a stonewall penalty, wouldn't it? And, it, and the result might have been very different. Oh, I would have been in all kinds of Barney, mate. Um, obviously... <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't deliberate. Um, yeah, but what's a grand final without a bit of controversy? So obviously the Central Coast kid, as, as a Central Coast boy, you know, it probably added a little bit of extra spice to the whole situation. But um, in the end, I was just, I remember just running away from the situation, just thinking, don't look back, don't look guilty. I remember the Griffiths brothers were grilling me. I'm like, boys, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to stay cool here. Just leave me alone. So in the end, um, we got away with it and, and we got the win, which I think was deserved in that game as well, to be honest. Jimmy, how, how frustrating as a player now um, <laughs> is VAR? Seriously. Yet, I mean, obviously, I haven't had too much experience with it. I, I've only had, um, in the Champions League uh, qualification game against Bruges, it was actually frustrating because they got given a penalty. Um, and in the end, 
the player was offside, the player that won the penalty, but the VAR didn't pick it up. So in the end, they got given a penalty that should have been a penalty, which which was frustrating for us. But I do think it, it kind of slows the game down a lot. And, and you know, as, as much as human error sucks, it is a part of the game and it kind of, you know... I don't know. It's 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 a difficult debate. Um, I haven't had too much um, experience with it, so I'm going to sit on the fence there. <laughs> James, do you not have it in the Austrian Bundesliga? You surely do, don't you? No. No, we don't. We don't. Like I said, my only, only experience I've had it was using the Champions League qualification games wow. so far. So. We should all watch the Austrian and also Bundesliga. Actually, actually, the... Europa, the Europa League, I think, uh, round of 16, we played against... Or round of 32, we played against RZ Alkmaar. And I... Gave away a penalty, um, a handball that I couldn't do anything about, and VAR picked that up. So, right, um, I'm going to get off the fence and say I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a, that's actually a nice segue uh, into RZ Alkmaar because, of course, <clears throat> after leaving the Jets, you you did get the, the first chance to go to Europe with the Dutch club. Um, <clears throat> was that an intense learning curve? We've mentioned already you struggled to get game time there. Was it very frustrating, or were you just trying to absorb everything on a day by day basis? A bit of both. I mean, it's frustrating for any player when they don't play. Um, I was a little bit naive, as every youngster is, going over there. Um, kind of reality hit me pretty early on when I realised that it's not as easy as you think it is. Obviously, um, all of a sudden, you're a small fish in a big pond. You're trying to learn a new language, a, you know, a new way of life. Um, yeah, I was over there on my own at the beginning, so there was a lot of different things you confronted with. Um, but I was very, very strong in regards to I didn't I was never going to um the the only way I was going to go back home was if it was if I after I exhausted every opportunity at the time it kind of felt like I was on a treadmill where I was working working as hard as I could but the opportunity wasn't coming um but I kind of always believed that you know it would come in some way and in the end that you know Austria Vienna opened up for me um but it was a awesome kind of learning experience and also it kind of it built up the resilience in me. Um, and, and, and that was, I think that's a really important factor for any Aussie that, that tries to make it over in Europe. Yeah, that's a, it's a top message, Jimmy, because you touch on that resilience and, and obviously character is needed to, to forge a career for yourself and you have forged a, a career for yourself. And sometimes those, those moments when you, when you're not playing, it can be extremely frustrating and you feel as if you're, you're not where you want to be, but to, to stick at it like you have done, mate, that's, that's been an excellent, um, you know, excellent work from you. You worked with a former coach of mine, Dick Avocat. What was your take on 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 the the little general? Mate, I actually he was he was uh, he was brilliant to me, and he was he was the one that the, the coach there that actually wanted to give me an opportunity. But in the end, um, he had to leave because I think he I think I remember him saying, "When Putin calls, you don't say no." Um, so he left for Russia. <laughs> um, so basically, yeah, which was disappointing for me. But uh, as you said, Maury, I think it kind of built my resilience up. And, and I also think, you know, if you look at every Aussie, also in that golden generation, which which was something that I always kind of held on to and learnt from, every Aussie did their time, every Aussie did their apprenticeship. Of that, if that was, you know, you or Kalina, Jason Kalina or Brett Holman or Lucas Neal, Timmy, if you look at every Aussie's career, they had their period at the beginning where they toughed it out. They had to, they had to tough it out and they did. And I think that was something that, that kept me going as well, knowing, okay, the best players, you know, of, our, uh, of the Socceroos, the, the golden generation, they kind of, they went through that experience as well. And I think I personally took a lot away from that. Mate, and I love that because it's still a little bit old school in you, Jimmy. I, I love that about you, mate. We have our conversations about the old school. Um, obviously, that's not in the game as much. Um, but, you know, that, that, that experience and that, that street smart, um, and more importantly, the, the, the character, mate, they're, they're kind of qualities that you've kept with you. Um, mate, and, and how, in terms of your leadership role, captain, captaining your, your club side as well, you're, you're, you're using that to help other players? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, going, going back to, as a youngster, obviously, I was lucky enough to experience that. You know, I came into to the Socceroos and, and the likes of yourself and Lucas and, you know, Bredo and Timmy, all, all these boys were unbelievable examples for me in that that kind of old school mentality that the Socceroos team in particular at that time, it was just full of characters, full of, of men, boys you want to kind of go into battle with. And I think as a youngster, you take a lot of, a lot away from that. Um, these days, I think it's a lot harder to find those characters. It's, it's, you know, you see them 
less and less. Um, but I was lucky enough to experience that, you know, probably the back end of it. And I took a, a lot away from that. And, and also then, you know, it taught me how to be a leader. You know, I learned off, off you boys and I learned how to lead. I learned, I learned what it takes. And, and obviously now I'm able to, as, as an experienced player in my team, just help the boys as much as I can and, yeah. and draw on those experiences I had with you guys. James, uh, we spoke a little bit about Dick Advocates. I also wanted to ask you about Hercham Verbeek. You, you played under him as well. He was at RZ. Um, he, of course, came over to Australia and was probably known as being a little bit grumpy. <laughs> Is that a fair assessment? Is that your experience of him or not? He is an eccentric dude. He's he's probably one of the uh, oddest characters I've come across in football. Um, he, he wasn't personally. He wasn't. He wasn't good for for me. Um, but at the same time, he, you know, he ha he's he's a coach that had his first eleven and 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 basically just worked on his first eleven. But you know, he he also got the best out of his players. His teams always played really nice football. Um, football's a game of opinions, and and uh, he didn't have a great one of me, which is it's a part of the game, and that's fine. Um, in the end, he was he was someone that was always honest and straight with me, which I respected. And uh, yeah, he was one of the reasons I left us at Alkmaar and found my way to Austria Vienna. So um, it all worked well, out well in the end. Um, as you mentioned, you, you got that uh, loan spell at Sparta Rotterdam, which which sort of reinvigorated your career. And then you got your big break. You go to Austria uh, with Austria Vienna and you win the Bundesliga title, I think in your first or second season. That must have been an amazing experience. Is, is that still one of your, your main career highlights? Definitely. Um, it, also, that was kind of the first season I, I really you know, cemented myself in Europe. I got a lot of game time. I had a coach. It was a brilliant coach who believed in me. And, and that kind of gave me a lot of confidence that I had, had lost over the, you know, the previous years. Um, and, you know, winning a title is, is uh, something you, 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 it's, you can't underestimate. It's not easy to do. And, and we were able to do it. And also with a great, great group of boys. So it's definitely a season that, um, that I'll cherish. And I'm grateful that I had, so. And of course, through winning the, the Austrian Championship, then the next season you're playing in the Champions League. I, I had a look at some of the games that you played in that competition. There's one that stands out in particular. So you're up against Atletico Madrid uh, in Spain. You're up against Diego Costa, Coque, Thibaut Courtois, Diego Godin. They had Dave, David Villa, Toby Alderweireld, and Emiliano Insua on the bench. That ain't bad, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Not it was phenomenal and it was it was it was a strange experience playing them because that, that was that's the only team that i've ever played against that they give you this false sense of security and they had this ability to turn it on whenever they wanted to so they kind of they made you feel comfortable and and in a split second they you know they'd press or they'd counterattack and and kind of they were just deadly and lethal but a funny thing about that is i remember diego costa spitting at me during the game Oh, and then, uh, obviously, not a, not a great experience. But then right? we played Spain at the, at the World Cup in Brazil, and he remembered me, and he ended up giving me his shirt. Yes. It was just before he went to Chelsea, and he, you know, he remembered me. He said, "Oh, good luck." And he was actually a, an absolute gentleman of the highest order. But he uh, he definitely plays to win, so you can tell his coach is Diego Simeone because there was <laughs> no holding back. Like anything, anything to get over the line, Diego Costa. Why did he spit on oh, you? Oh, mate, yeah, he's the kind of player you want in your team. Oh, mate. It's, I can't even remember to be honest, but uh, he felt like it was appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to continue your your career sort of trajectory, you, you then headed off to Germany for an, a rather interesting season with uh, MSV Duisburg. How did that come about, and what was your experience like? You're playing in the second tier in in Germany for that particular season. That was something that wasn't planned. Um, I was at Austria and Austria had offered me a long contract and kind of wanted to build a team around a couple of, of us older boys or us more experienced boys. Uh, at the time, they wanted to make me captain and and I kind of felt like I was getting a bit stale there and I, and I wanted a new experience. I wanted to challenge myself and I felt like if I made a decision to stay, it would have been out of comfort reasons and uh, that didn't sit well with me. So I kind of told the club early on, you know, I don't want to re-sign and I want to try something different you know, the next week I went from being captain to sitting on the bench, um, which was understandable. And that obviously then affected the opportunities that came my way. I, uh, I thought um, other opportunities were going to come, didn't in the end. And, and in the end, I ended up going to MSL Duisburg, which wasn't, wasn't at the top of the list. And in the end was 
a difficult experience and it was it was a really challenging experience in you know in my career in general but if you put me back in the same situation i'd make the same decision because you know i'm someone that doesn't want to make decisions based on on comfort so there's no regrets it was just you know at the end of the day i kind of fell flat on my face and that's that happens in life and in football sometimes uh, you then came home for a season james to play for <laughs> adelaide united uh, is it fair to say that that r- really wasn't in your head as as part of your career path? It was maybe a stopping off point, and no disrespect to Adelaide United, but it wasn't your first choice at the time. No, it was. It was I mean, after after the experience with Duisburg, obviously there wasn't a, a lot of opportunities on the table. Um, but as I, I touched on earlier, Europe was always a dream of mine. Um, and nothing against Adelaide or, or, or the A-League. Um, that was just, you know, that was what I wanted. Um, and so in the end, Adelaide for me was was something that I had to do. Um, but, you know, my mind was still uh, set on getting back to Europe, you know, any way possible. And it kind of, it, it definitely affected my my time there because I wasn't in a happy place. I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily happy about being there. I was kind of struggling a lot because, you know, I, I felt like I'd worked so hard and, and, you know, I found myself in a position where I wasn't happy with and, and I definitely wasn't satisfied with. Um, but, yeah, in the end, I, I kept working and, and as life does sometimes, I think if you keep working and you're resilient, things work out in the end and, and I was lucky enough to find my way back to Europe via, via China. Just, just touching on China there, uh, Jimmy. Uh, talk, talk us through that experience. I know it was a short one, but, but talk us through that in, in terms of how challenging and, and, and you know, with, the, with the, the cultural differences and all that sort of stuff. Talk us through China. Uh, actually, just before you answer that, China. James, just before you answer that, I just want to interject because that yeah. is actually one of our Twitter questions today from a guy called Sean Castellane. Uh, he also wants to know about your time with Liao Ning, especially the way it ended up. Uh, and he asks, how valuable was it to have Robbie Cruz on hand for support? Did you regret the move? And any advice for Aussies going to China? Sorry to interject. Go on. Not a problem. Uh, there's a long answer to that. I'll try and keep it short. Um, firstly, I loved having Cruzy there. And I think Cruzy's a great mate of mine. And, um, you know, for the both of us, I think it was incredibly important. Because um, obviously, going to China, you've got to... You go in there, you have to go there with an open mind. The culture is such a culture shock. And, and you know, I kind of looked at it as a, as, a, as a, you know, an experience and I tried to make the most of it. Um, I knew on the field was going to be difficult. Um, the reason I went there was I saw it as as my way back to Europe. I had a, had a clause in my contract at Adelaide that allowed me to leave um, in that January period. And if I stayed longer, I had a two-year contract. And I kind of knew based on, you know, previous Aussies that had been to, to, to that particular club that generally they don't last long there because of the way the club worked. And I had already been in touch with, with the coach at Lusk. Um, and I kind of mentioned that to him and he said, if, we, if they go to the first league, then he wants to, to, to bring me in. So in the end, I took that gamble um, and it all worked out for me. Obviously, I can't go into too much detail how it ended there, but um, obviously we, yeah, we didn't, we didn't get paid. And then, it was a little bit of a dispute, but we worked it out with the club and we were able to go our separate ways um, and I landed back in Europe. But uh, to answer your question, Maury, it was an incredibly interesting experience and one that I had to, yeah, go with uh, with an open mind. Uh, I think Cruzy <laughs> wasn't as open as me and probably didn't see it like that, but we made the most of it and we enjoyed each other's company. And, and you, you were a move ahead, James. You, you were ready to get back to Europe. Um, we'll conclude your chat about uh, club football in a moment or two, but uh, I, I want to throw in a couple of Twitter questions, and particularly with regards uh, to your international career. This, this one is from Samuel82, and he asks... Uh, have you officially retired from international football? I have no idea why you haven't been included in any of the Socceroos squads over the last few years. It's really upsetting as your form for Lask has been exceptional. You're scoring goals and your experience, you're captaining the team. It is our question of the week. A uh, $100 Outback Steakhouse v- voucher to you, Samuel82. Um, yeah, what's what's the story with your international career, James? That's a good question. Um, I definitely haven't retired. I think uh, for me, playing for the Aussie team is the pinnacle. Um, I was, as I've touched on before, I was lucky enough to experience it with, with Maury's group and, and the camaraderie and, and the passion and, and everything that I experienced there kind of, yeah, that was something uh, that 
that uh, stuck with me and and uh, yeah I'd love to to be involved in the national team again why I haven't involved been involved obviously we, I touched on that before as well football's a game of opinions and I think um, I didn't take my opportunity when when I was involved I think Ange, Ange uh, gave me enough opportunities and I wasn't I wasn't there I wasn't I wasn't there when I needed to be and obviously other boys came in and did well and since then um, you know I think I have been doing well with Lusk um, but you know obviously I just have to take it as it is and, and keep working hard here and hopefully hopefully the opportunity comes. Jimmy, I know that you can't say it, mate, but I'm more than happy to say it. If if I'm selecting a Socceroo squad today, you're in my squad. Um, you know, you look at playing regular, playing at a high level, and, and it's we're still not blessed with a lot of Australian players playing at the at the very highest level um, regular and consistently. So if I'm naming a Socceroo squad, mate, today you're in it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Oh, look, I think uh, I think if you look at Aussies playing in Europe consistently, obviously in that regard, I think I've done enough. You know, I play week in, week out. Um, but obviously, I, you know, um, as I said before, football is a game of opinion. So, so yeah, I have to take it as it comes. It does seem a bit strange. Seven years since you were last <laughs> involved with the Socceroos. This is a guy who's playing in uh, a European league, winning trophies playing Champions League, Europa League, etc. Anyway, we don't pick the team, uh, you and I, Maury. Um, this one also on uh, when you did play for the Socceroos, which you were a part of the Brazil World Cup squad, as we mentioned, uh, Nick Rojas asks, were you upset that you didn't get a minute on the pitch in Brazil? And also, did you get your hands on an opposition jersey? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I touched on it before. I got Costa's jersey, so that was a good get. Um, oh, that was 100% that was I was disappointed but <laughs> yeah that was at the World Cup yeah 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 right. but yeah of course you know to be so close and to not play um, was disappointing but to be honest and, and I think it's important to be honest with yourself Ange gave me the opportunities prior to the World Cup he, he started me against South Africa and I think from, from what I could tell I think because at the time I was also one of you know a few Aussies consistently playing in Europe and I think um, he had planned me to have me in the team but I didn't take my opportunity and I wasn't good and I, I didn't train well um and that was you know that's just a part of the game I didn't I wasn't there I wasn't I wasn't uh I clearly wasn't ready or you know um and that's that's the nature of the beast sometimes and, and other boys came in and did really well and, and I had to cop that on the chin so it was incredibly disappointing but I can uh you know I have to take that on my own shoulders Mate, let's uh, let's talk about home now in Austria for you Linz <laughs> Linz is a, is a nice city to, to live in. And also, um, I believe there's some exciting plans for, for your football club in terms of um, a new stadium, Jimmy. Um, yeah, no, it's a, firstly, it's a cool place to, to live. I think Austria in general, you can't really go wrong. It's a, it's a really nice little city. Um, it's kind of central. You've got a lot going on. You've got the mountains in winter. You've got beautiful lakes in, in summer. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's an awesome part of the world. Um, and in regards to the club, it's it's definitely an exciting time. They're building a, a new stadium now that, that should be done in a year and a half. Um, and it's kind of slowly, if not already, become kind of the second second best club in in uh, or biggest club in in um, Austria behind Red Bull Salzburg. And uh, it's definitely a very exciting place to be, mate. So I'm glad I, I landed here. And James, do you see yourself finishing your career off in Austria? Are there still things that you would like to achieve, leagues you would like to play in? Oh, there's always, there's all, I've always, definitely got dreams and stuff, mate, but I have to also be realistic about my age, obviously, to get opportunity in bigger leagues. Um, it's a little bit far-fetched at the moment and, and I'm really happy here and we're consistently, you know, playing at the top of the league at the moment where we're fighting for titles, we're in Europe every year. And that's something that you definitely, I definitely don't underestimate. Uh, and I really appreciate it. And also, we've got an amazing group of boys here. Um, we've got a fantastic team spirit. You know, we've got no egos in, in the group. We've got a lot of, it's an exciting place to be. And it's also a club that um, with a few of us boys, they're kind of planning for the future. And, and I know I'm going to get opportunities here for, for life after football. And, and, you know, that's hard to come by for, for Aussies. So, um I think, uh, to be honest, if everything keeps going the way it is, I'll probably, I'm settled here. Uh, but you never know in football, so we'll see see how it uh, how it all pans out. So we're not we're not going to see you in a, in a Central Coast Mariners jersey to to round off your career in front of your family. 
Mate, they don't need me by the looks of things. They're doing a fantastic <laughs> job. Ollie's obviously back there and Matty Simon's carrying the torch as well. Um, so uh, at the moment, it doesn't look likely, but likely, but never say never. Okay. Hey, James, it's been uh, fantastic to chat. We know you've had a long day with, uh, with the extra time in the cup, so we will let you go. Uh, but yeah, we hope to uh, see you back one day in Australia and uh, maybe even in a Socceroos jersey. Go, go on, Maury, you've, you've got the final word. I'm just, I'm, I'm just interested, Jimmy. Our recovery was slightly different to what yours is going to be tonight, I'm guessing. <laughs> mate, the good old days. It's, uh, times are changing, huh? Bob Dylan, times are changing, mate. It's, uh, I've had to adapt. I've had to adapt. We've got a midweek game Wednesday, so behaving myself tonight. Legs up. Behaving myself. <laughs> good stuff, mate. Uh, rest up for that match against Sam Poulton uh, during the week. And really appreciate your time on the podcast today. Thanks, Jimmy. Cheers, Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, boys. It was a pleasure. That's James Holland. And that is us for another week. Hopefully, Spider will be back on board in the not-too-distant future. In the meantime, from Maury and myself, it's bye for now. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.